welcome you this morning to week number two of Miracle Month, Miracle March. And today we're talking about emotional miracles. Last week we talked about soul miracles. God wants you to be saved. He wants you to be forgiven. He wants you to be born again. And that's the greatest miracle that He can take you and transform you and make you uh, like Him, ready to go to heaven. Saved, forgiven, and today we want to talk about emotional healing. And uh, we're going to look at a couple of stories. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of St. John, chapter 4. And we're going to look at that in a few moments. Uh, But let's go ahead and pray and welcome the presence of God. Heavenly Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing and the miracles that you're working in our lives. And today we give you permission to move and work in our emotions. So, Father, we ask, ask you to open the windows, open the doors, and look and see where we're hurting. And we thank you for that miracle of healing today in Jesus' name. And everybody said a big amen. As we talk about emotions, you know, our emotions are primarily ruled by our thinking. And how many knows that we can change our thinking? If you have stinking thinking, then you're going to have some problems in your emotions. If you think depressed, sad, down uh, thoughts, you're going to be a depressed, sad person. If, you, if you're always thinking about what you don't have and always thinking about uh, what, how others are better off than you, and you know, you're just going to be an emotional mess. But when you begin to d- declare what God said about you, that you are the head and not the tail, you're above only and not beneath, greater is he that lives in you, as you begin to change your mindset, amen, then you can begin to change the way your emotions feel. But your emotions are very important. You know, women are usually more emotional than guys. Uh, they are, they're more open. They like to talk about things. And uh, guys, we like to just ignore them. We don't have a problem. And, uh, you know, they've, they've said that the emotions God has put in us, uh, you know, emotional lights, just kind of like on the, the dash of a car. You're driving down the road, and all of a sudden your temperature gauge starts going up, and uh, the red light comes on. It's showing you're overheated. Well, you know, most guys would stop. They realize that there's a problem there. Uh, there are some people that, you know, just put some duct tape over it. I just don't want to just ignore that light. Uh, you know, it, it's, not, it's not there. If, if, I, if I choose to ignore it, it it's not there. Uh, others uh, will just take a hammer and they'll just bust that light. And, uh, you know, they just blow up. And, you know, sometimes it makes you feel better. But, man, it sure devastates those around you. When you allow your emotions to get out of control. But then there's those who open the hood, who take a look under there, see what the problem is. You know, now me, I can open the hood and look, but I don't have a clue what's going on. Most of us are like that in life. You know, we, we can take a look, and, but we don't really know what's happening. We know a little bit, this is, you know, this happened and this happened. Maybe this is why I'm the way I am. And people have told you, you know, you've watched Dr. Phil and Oprah enough. Uh, you think you can uh, diagnose people and what their problem is. And, uh, but the problem is, uh, usually the problem's us. And we miss that one every time. We can sure figure out the problem is everybody else, can't we? But today, today, God wants us to take a look at 
ourself. And as we begin to deal uh, with our emotions, you know, as we can uh, be honest about it. We talked about this uh, uh, Wednesday night. Men, we're studying a, a study by Neil Anderson on the bondage breaker. And so we've just been looking at that, why we're like we are, what, because of the fall, and uh, how men, you know, we just kind of get things in our mind and changing our emotional status. And this next week, we're going to be dealing with forgiveness, and we're going to be dealing with that a little bit today. But, you know, you can't, it's not healthy to suppress your emotions. You need to get them out. You need to talk. You need to share. You need to have that outlet. Because the Bible says, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. There's something very healing about confessing and being able to come to a spouse or a friend or a pastor. Oh, but there's something supernatural that happens when you come to the cross. As Pastor Elias just said, and when you confess your sins to him, he forgives them, wipes them away. And not only takes the, 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 the pain, but can heal the scars and the memories and really set you free. So it's not good. We don't want to suppress our emotions. Then on the other hand, we don't just want to let them run rampant. We don't want to also be dishonest. Did you know we lie a lot? How many lies a lot? Let me see your hand. <laughs> Most people say, no, I don't lie. You know, but you know what? Your spouse asks you, how are you doing? Fine. No, you're not. You're hurting. So many times we come home and we, we, we just, we, we've had a bad day. Uh, things have happened. You know, we walk in and all of a sudden, you know, we walk in and say, hey, where's supper? And I mean, she just goes off. We think, what did I do? Probably nothing. But from the whole day, all the, from the kids, from the work, from this, she may have had the worst day of her life and then you walked in and it wasn't what you said. It, it was because of her emotional state. Sometimes your husband comes in, he's had a terrible day, and all of a sudden he just blows up. And all of a sudden it's on. When if we would just be able to come to each other and be honest and just say, you know what, I'm a mess. I've had a rough day. I am not in a good mood. You know, I just, you know, our spouse would give us a break. Maybe give us a few minutes to go sit down and relax. Maybe if your wife's had a bed, maybe you could, you know, get the kids and, you know, you could do supper. That's, 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 that's a great thing about fast food. Taco Bell, Happy Meals. <laughs> you can say, sweetheart, you just go in there and you just shut yourself off and you just go take a bubble bath and I'll take care of the kids. You know, something, maybe, you know, you wives, you can just come and say, honey, you know what, let me, look, here's your glass of tea. Let me, let me just rub your shoulders. Let me, you know, let me, let me give you a foot massage. I don't know. Just you know, just give each other a break, realizing that you know our emotions sometimes can get out of control, and they control the way you act, the way you talk. It, it, it affects. We we're, we live in an emotional world, amen. We're all ruled, and we all deal with emotions every day. Well, you know, you know when the boss walks in, if they're in a good mood or bad mood. You know, is this the time to ask for a raise? Or is this the time to go hide? I mean, people, they, they, people are not good at hiding their emotions. I mean, you can just see it on their face, whether they've had a good weekend or a bad weekend or what. You know what? We don't need to be like that. We need to learn to get on an even keel and be able to be happy. And even sometimes, maybe if we're having a tough day, still put a smile on our face. My mom used to sing a song. Amen. Amen. We need to uh, learn to smile through our tears. 
lift our head up high, and give this world a smile. It will be worth it all someday. Amen? And we don't need to always just be biting folks' heads off and, you know, just saying anything we want and hurting people with our tongue just because we're having a bad day. So we want to be honest. We don't want to suppress our emotions. We want to really deal with our emotions. But sometimes our emotions, are we're, they're based on our past. As we're growing up, it's based on our family, our friends, our economic environment, our home environment, the family environment. And so all of a sudden, our thinking is based on what we know. Now, is it always correct? Sometimes you have an emotional thing about a particular thing, and it may not even be correct. Maybe you were told wrong. Maybe you were treated wrong. Maybe you were uh, raised wrong. Maybe all those things. And all of a sudden, now you've got a mindset. And then you find out that's not the truth. And now you're just an emotional mess. I've been lied to. Everything's changed. And, you know, it really kind of messes us up. But we've got to learn to come. And, you know, the Bible uh, refers to the heart 822 times. That's a lot of times, talk about the heart. He's not talking about that organ that's in there just pumping blood uh, that, you know, sometimes needs a stent or a pacemaker. Or, uh, that, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about uh, the, the heart of man. 204 times talks about the intellectual activity, your mind, what's going on in your brain. 195 talks about your will. And then 166 about your emotions. That is the whole makeup. That's who you are is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Translated, your heart. So when we say we need to give our heart to Jesus, what we need to give to Jesus is our mind, our will, and our emotions. We need to give him who we are. We need to give him the the real person. And you know what? We've learned to to kind of put on masks, haven't we? I don't want to show, no, I don't want people to see the real me because if they knew the real me, they wouldn't like me because I'm damaged, I'm wounded, I'm hurt from my past. See, you're, 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 you're made up from the, the, the things that you were taught and from your traumatic experiences. We all have things in our past that were traumatic. Abuse. Lack. We were hurt in some way, physically, emotionally, verbally, sexually. There's all these ways. People are hurt and they're wounded. And now then they're scarred. And the way they treat people is with anger, with rage. They don't trust anyone. They're just an emotional mess. You know, Jesus met some folks like this. You know, Jesus went out of his way, and I'm telling you today, he's going out of his way to stop by the Lord's house and to walk up and down these pews and to tell you you're here not by accident but on purpose because I want to heal you. In John chapter 4, we find Jesus going out of his way to make a stop in Samaria. Now, Samaria was a place that during the captivity of the Jews, it was a place where the pagans and the few Jews that were left that didn't get taken to captivity settled. And they started their own religion. It was based on Judaism and paganism. It was a mixture. They intermarried. And so now they're a mixed race. 
They chose the Pentateuch as their uh, guideline, their book, the first five books of the Old Testament, just like the Jews. And so, but so they're all confused and they're mixed up. And then when they came out of exile and they began to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, uh, the Samaritans came and wanted to help, but they refused to allow them to. And this put a further wedge in between them. And so now then Jews would go out of their way. They had a different route that they went to get from city to city three miles longer. But I'm willing to walk three miles around that person because I just don't like them. You don't know what they did to me, Pastor. I'm telling you, I'm going to ignore them. I'm not going to talk to them at Walmart. When I see them at a family reunion, they better stay on their side of the house. I don't like them. I don't like their family. I don't like their mama. And all of a sudden, you've got this huge, you know, wedge driven in these people for generations. And Jesus comes along, and Jesus on purpose said, I must needs go by the King James. I must needs go to Samaria. So here he comes to Samaria, and the disciples, they go on, and they begin to buy food, and here comes a woman. Now, first of all, a rabbi would not even speak to a woman in public. Family? Wife, it's not done. We'll talk at home in private. You would not see them conversing and speaking to a woman in public. Plus, it's a Jew and a Samaritan. Plus, Jesus is in a place to where most Jews wouldn't go. So all of this takes place right here, and we pick it up in verse number 3. Eventually, he came to Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well at noontime. Since a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Please give me drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Now, first of all, I just want to point out to you that this woman definitely was a mess because most folks didn't draw water at noon. They would come in the morning when it was cool. They would come back and draw their evening water in the evening. So she came right in the middle of the heat of the day probably because she was trying to avoid somebody. Now, this is just my own perspective now. But just looking at history and looking at the things, I think she's probably trying to avoid some folks. Somebody's been talking about her. She doesn't have the best reputation. She's an emotional mess. So she comes when she thinks it's going to be the least crowded that she don't have to deal with everybody. And here's a man, a Jew, a rabbi, and something shocking happens. He speaks to her. And he says, give me drink. She immediately, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you 
living water. He said, if you knew anything, if you just had any spiritual insight, and if you knew the gift that I'm about to give to you. I'm telling you this morning, you're about to receive a gift you didn't even know you were going to get. It's not even Christmas time, but you're about to get your best gift you've ever received. Amen. He is about to set you free from your emotional baggage. He said, woman, you've been thirsty a long time, and what you're doing, if you keep doing the same thing over again, you're going to keep getting the same results. That's the definition of insanity. You're not going to get any different result doing the same thing over and over. You've got to do something different. He said, woman, give me a drink. And it's amazing when Jesus begins to speak to people how they can have all kind of uh, excuses and all kind of things. And he said, woman, I've got a gift I can give you and you'll never thirst again. And immediately she gets a little snippy and she just gets a little defensive and she just begins to, just like we do, what can they do for me? They don't know me. They don't know what I've been through. They don't know my situation. And she just looked at him and said, sir... You don't even have a rope or a bucket. What are you going to do for me? This is Jacob's well. This well is 115 foot deep. It's nine foot across. It's hewn out of solid rock. The water's about 15 foot deep. Usually the travelers would carry like a, a leather pouch that they would let down and draw water out of public wells. And he looked at her. He said, I'm about to give you a gift that you'll never thirst again. And she said, sir, you don't even have a bucket or a rope. Have you ever looked at people and just dismissed them because they didn't have what you thought they needed? To meet your needs? What can you do for me? You're the wrong color. You're the wrong gender. You drive the wrong kind of car. You live on the wrong side of town. What can you do for me? We have all these preconceived ideas. And we miss the gift that God has for us. He don't need a rope and a bucket. To do what he wants to do for you this morning. He can reach deep. And draw out of you. Those things that are hurting and those things, amen, that are binding. And she said unto him, please, sir. Because Jesus replied and said, anyone who drinks the water, I will soon become, they will soon become thirsty. You drink this water, you're going to get thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Amen. Jesus says everything that you've been trying to do is on the outside. And you're just trying to do stuff. You're trying to put it in. You're trying to drink it in. You're trying to fill it in. You're trying to have relationships, friendships. You're doing all this stuff. You're even going to church. Amen. Just trying to fill the void. But I'm telling you, what you need is a drink from a living water. You need a spring dwelling up on the inside of you that you don't have to go any, to anybody else. You're not looking to anybody else for your emotional security or your peace or your emotional needs. Amen. You have a well inside of you that is bubbling up and springing up that gives you joy. Your happiness doesn't come out of money. Your happiness doesn't come out of cars. Your happiness is not how you're dressed. Amen. You've got a well of joy springing up inside of you and the joy of the Lord. Is your strength. You'll never thirst again if you drink of this water. She said, Please, sir, 
give me this water that I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. She's not quite sure. She's not quite there yet. But she knows I need this. I'm tired of coming to this place. I'm tired of the looks. I'm tired of people talking about me behind my back. I'm tired of getting persecuted. I'm tired of getting ridiculed. Sir, if you could give me this water where I wouldn't ever have to put up with this stuff again, I'm all for it. Give me this water. So Jesus said, go get your husband. And she replied, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And you aren't married to the one you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Jesus all of a sudden begins to roll back the the scroll. and He begins to look into her life and he begins to tell her where she is, what's happening, why that she's going through what she's going through, why she's at the well at noon because she don't want to run into maybe an ex or an ex-friend or a family member or a mother-in-law because she's had five husbands. The one she's with now is not her husband. She's talked about. She's emotionally hurt and damaged. Jesus said, you said right. You told the truth. That's where you're at. And then it's funny how that when, you, when God begins to deal with our self, He begins to reveal things about us, we want to get real religious. You know, people get real religious. And all of a sudden, she said, oh, you're a prophet. And then she gave, even went further. And she said, oh, you're a prophet. And then she said, hey, tell me something. Let's get off of this subject about how many husbands I've had and who I'm sleeping with right now. Let's let's, let's get off me and let's talk about you. You know anybody like that? Every time we get in the altar, let's talk about you. Don't talk about me. Don't point out all my mess. Let's talk about somebody else. Let me tell you what what, what so-and-so is doing. Let me tell you what they're doing. And God's he's concerned about what you're doing. So all of a sudden, she got real spiritual and religious. She said, oh, you're a prophet. So if you're a prophet, let me ask you a spiritual question. She said, you know, they say, uh, the Jews say you have to worship at Jerusalem and it's the only place. And the Samaritans say it's here at Mount Gerizim uh, where our ancestors worshiped. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming. When you're no longer, it doesn't matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him. Our salvations come through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed is here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is looking for those to worship him that way. God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit. He said, listen, let's don't get all caught up in religion. And all get caught up in doctrine. And get caught up, well, I go to this church. I go to this church. The, the, you got to go to this. You got to be a member of this or that. Jesus said, all of that is a about to come to an end and you just need to worship God in spirit and in truth stop being so super spiritual when God begins to try to point things out in your life don't get religious just be open and be honest and say yes Lord I need it you're right you're right I'm a mess I need you and all of a sudden, uh, Jesus declared, and she went on to say, I know the Messiah is coming, and the one who's called Christ, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. 
verse 26, and Jesus told her, I am he. I am the Messiah. I'm telling you, today Jesus wants to reveal himself to you. He is your healer. He is your salvation. He is your deliverance. He is your friend. He is the lover of your soul. He is the one. He is what you've been looking for, longing for, desiring. Amen. You've tried it in every other aspect of life, but you're empty and you have to keep coming back and you have to keep filling and you have to keep looking for something else and what you've been looking for all along is Jesus and he can fill you and heal you and saturate you and you'll never thirst again. Be satisfied. Over in the next chapter, I see another man that's kind of emotionally messed up. Here's a man. The story goes like this. It's the pool of Bethesda. There's all these different levels, and there's a pool there. And every now and again, the angel would come and trouble the water. And when the water was troubled, whoever stepped in first, was healed. So Jesus walks into this place and it's full of sick people. And he looks and he sees this man. Verse number 3, there's crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, laying on the porches. One of the men laying there had been sick for 38 years. Everybody say, that's a long time. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I'm reading out of the New Living, so maybe a little different than what you're looking at today. Would you like to get well? Is that a simple question? I ask you today, would you like to get well? Would you like to stop suffering all the things that you're suffering? Would you like to stop dealing with all the emotional issues, the pain, the trouble, the memories, all of the hurts? Would you like to get over it? I mean, most people would say absolutely. Jesus asked this man. He'd been everywhere he'd go and healing people and raising them up. And he steps to this man and he says, Would you like to be healed And the man said this, I can't, sir. You ever say that? I can't. Why not? Can't do it. I just can't get over it. I just can't quit it. I just can't stop thinking about it. I I, I just can't. Would you like to be healed? I can't. He said, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Poor me. Now, I don't know. I'm just thinking in my mind. I was reading this this morning, and I'm thinking, after 38 years, after so many times the water's troubled, after so many times somebody gets in front of me, I think I would have finally made my way to the edge of the pool. I'd have already got in the water. I'd have been laying on the edge, and as soon as the first bubble hit, I'd have just rolled in. I think after 38 years, I'd have found a way. 
but we are the same way. We have the same excuses. Ain't my fault. Mama did it. Daddy did it. Brother did it. Sister did it. My boss did it. My friend, a spouse. Why would you like to be healed? I can't. Because I'm, I got to hold on to this thing because if I didn't have this, this is my identity. My affliction is my identity. It's who I, people identify themselves with their problem. People, you begin to hear people say, well, you know, since my divorce, you know, since my heart attack, since I went bankrupt, since this, since this, why are you identifying yourself with a traumatic problem? Why don't you begin to say, you know, since I got born again, everything's changed. You know, since I asked Jesus into my heart, everything's different. Let's don't go back to a bad thing that happened and identify with it. Let's go back to the cross and say he took care of everything there. Stop saying you can't. Stop blaming it on other people and just say yes. Yes. Do you want to be healed? Yes. Well, thank God for Jesus. I I love Jesus. Oh, he just looks right past all of our junk, our excuses. Amen. He knows what we have need of, and he is bigger. And he, I mean, he can handle your excuses, but he wants us, amen, to stop making them. Jesus said to him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Immediately. I'm telling you today, immediately. God can erase that pain, that memory, that that hurt. We all have been through things. We all have scars. I told the men uh, Wednesday night, we were talking about scars on our body. And I was pointing out different scars on my hand and fingers and knees where I got this chainsaw into it and all the different things. I can look at those things. I remember what happened, but they don't hurt today. You see, I know I'm healed. There's no infection. I'm going to tell you, my knee, where I got the chainsaw into it, I fixed it, didn't I, Gage? I duct taped that puppy up. <laughs> Every now and then, Gage say, you're bleeding again. Look down, my sock be full of blood. I go duct tape it again. And that didn't work, so I got a bright idea. I fixed that. I went and bought me some super glue. And I squirted super glue all in it, pushed it back together, and went back to work. It worked. But after a while, it began to kind of swell and look kind of bad. So I got down in there and I pulled that super glue out, and oh my goodness, some of the worst stuff came out. Because I, I trapped. All that junk inside. I healed the outside, but the inside was infected. There's a lot of you today, you look good. I mean, you're dressed up, you got a smile on your face, you look great. The outside is good, but inside you're eating up. You have infection from the past, you have scars, you have, I mean, you are just eat up with guilt, with shame, with hatred, with unforgiveness because of what happened. And I'm telling you, today God wants to pull it back. Today God wants to get the scab off. You know how, you know, anytime we have an injury, we baby it, don't we? Don't, don't, don't touch that. 
That, 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 that hurts. You know, we don't want nobody poking us. And I don't know why it is. It's just, you know, anytime somebody works out hard, you know, Haley will come in and, she, and she'll say, oh, she had a hard workout and, and her muscles are sore. It's just, there's something in you. I, I just want to go grab her leg. And she just screams, ah! We're, we're just mean that way. We see somebody suffering. We see somebody hurt. We just want to poke a finger in it. We just want to agitate it. Scratch off a scalp and what's wrong with us? We should be right there. As the Bible says, pouring in the oil and the wine. We should be right there with the, you know, my kids, they, they, they hate the camphor finique. They get a wound and they pour that on there. Then you got to blow because it burns. Jacob, he works with horses and there's a certain spray. This horse had a, got a big gash in his side. And instead of closing it up, instead of fixing it, they have this certain kind of spray that keeps it from healing. And they take and wash it down with a water hose and then spray that stuff all on it. And it begins to heal it from the inside. And he showed me a picture later. And there was just a, where that was a big old open gash, it was just a little line where it had been. Because they didn't just close it up and leave it to get infected inside. They dealt with the issue inside. And they begin to heal it from the inside out. Until finally, you can see that scar and you go, yeah, I, I, I kind of remember what happened there, but the pain of it doesn't hurt me anymore. I can tell you this morning, if you can look back at something in your childhood, in marriage, uh, in relationships, in business, anything, and you think of something, and when you think of it, it still makes you mad, you're not over it. If you can think of it and it still hurts you, you get defensive, you, you, you're not over. You haven't forgiven. You haven't let it go. You're not healed. You just put a Band-Aid over it. God wants to heal you emotionally. Jesus knows your past and he'll forgive it. But the key is, are you willing to forgive it? You see, a lot of us keep people in bondage we say, I'm not going to forgive them. I'm going to make them pay. You know what? All it's doing is making you pay. To forgive somebody is not acknowledging that what they did was right. They're going to have to pay for it. They'll stand before God. To forgive them is not letting them off the hook. It's letting you off the hook. You need to forgive, not for their sake, but for your sake. Because unforgiveness and bitterness eat you up. It will destroy you. It'll, so many suppress, when we suppress our emotions, it causes so many psychosomatic illnesses, stress and anxiety and high blood pressure. And I mean, you just name it, it down the list. It can cause things when you don't deal with issues and you don't get it out and you don't confess it and you don't repent and you don't forgive those who caused it. It'll cause you trouble. But I'm here to tell you today, Jesus loves you and he wants to heal you. Can I get a big amen? Come on, clap for joy, somebody. Let's all stand to our feet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I am an emotional wreck. I look like I have it all together. But inside, I'm hurting. I've been hurt and wounded so bad for my past 
Maybe you were abused. Maybe you were lied on, stolen from, cheated on. And you have allowed those things to just fill your heart with hatred for a person or a group of people. You've allowed prejudice to fill your heart so much that you'd gladly walk three miles just to go around that person. But today, Jesus is saying to you, Come, let me give you water that you'll never thirst again. I know your baggage. I know all about you. And I love you. And today I'll heal you. I'll forgive you. I'll set you free. You see, the Bible says that that woman left her water pot and ran to town and said, Come see a man that told me everything I ever did. Truly, he's the Messiah. Many came and heard him and believed. Revival took place because of that woman. She was no longer, she was no longer afraid to face people. Because yes, she had a past. But her past had been forgiven. And now she could hold her head up high. Because she was forgiven. She had living water on the inside of her. So you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need to be healed. I've got wounds. I've got scars. It may have been from a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. It may have been from 40, 50 years ago. But every time I think about it, it still hurts. But today, I want to be healed. Today, I want to let it go. Today, I want to be forgiven. Today, I want living water to spring up in me and wash all my emotional pain away. If that's you, as they begin to sing, they're already coming. Just get out of your seat and come fill this altar. Let me pray with you.